Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hey guys, it's Olivia Allen Price, and this is Bay Curious. I want to tell you about one of my favorite spots in the Bay Area. It's just a few miles from where I live in San Mateo. The Crystal Springs Reservoirs are these two perfectly clear blue lakes that are surrounded by miles and miles of rolling green hills. They stretch as far as the eye can see. If you've driven through the peninsula on 280, you've seen what I'm talking about off to the west. Now, I love this spot for the way the fog rolls over the hills in the afternoons, and just how blue the water is next to the green hills. It all looks so pristine, untouched, natural. But it's entirely man-made. Today on Bay Curious, we're getting to your questions about the Crystal Springs Reservoirs. How were they made? Who made them? And why can't we hike more of that area? Stick around. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there. I'm Randa Adelfetah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. When Jackie Nunez moved to San Mateo from Santa Barbara, she couldn't help but notice the Crystal Springs Reservoirs. I moved here quite recently, maybe two years ago, so I'm really curious about just the history of this land and um, getting to know my surroundings. Jackie studied environmental science in college, so maybe it's no wonder this was her question for us. What's the story behind Crystal Springs? There's not much information about it online other than that it's a man-made reservoir. Two, in fact, built a long time ago. Fellow Peninsula denizen Rachel Myro joins us for a journey in into the, the 19th, 19th century. century. Hey, hey Olivia. Olivia. Okay, enough of that. Rachel, so what's the story? Who built Crystal Springs? When? Why? How? I want to know it all. Well, let me take you back to the gold rush for the full backstory. You may recall from history class that the gold rush hit San Francisco all of a sudden. Gold is discovered at Sutter's Mill in early 1848, and within a couple of years, what was a sleepy dock town, population 460 or thereabouts, swells into a city of 21,000. Boom town. Exactly. But this boom town sat on a tiny spit of land surrounded by salty water on three sides. And what did they drink? 
Mostly whiskey. No, for water. Well, there were, are quite a few freshwater creeks in San Francisco, but nowhere near enough to satisfy the needs of 21,000 thirsty people. Clever businessmen made personal fortunes bringing water in from Marin County by barge and then sending horses and donkeys around the city dragging barrels of water. I just want to say that's the sound of a donkey sneezing. It's coming from the front end of the donkey. An annoyed donkey from the sounds of it. But I guess I would be pretty annoyed, too, if I was having to drag barrels of water up San Francisco's hills. And, you know, given our climate here in California, there are long stretches when there's no rain. That marine water was expensive to begin with. But during dry times in the 1850s, a bucket of water, just a bucket, could cost you a gold dollar which today would be worth around $300. I mean, this was a big entrepreneurial opportunity. That's Mitch Postal. I'm the president of the San Mateo County Historical Association. Postal says it didn't take long before a handful of speculators started looking at water south of the city on what we call today the peninsula. That was a series of farms. There was a stagecoach road that ran through the middle, and really the only outstanding thing that you would have found is the stagecoach stop, which became a pretty elaborate hotel for its day, the um, Crystal Springs Hotel. In particular, there was a guy named George Ensign who saw all those mountains and streams around the hotel and the farms and pictured gold dollar signs. In 1858, he joined a group of like-minded investors who pushed for stronger eminent domain law in the state legislature. They succeeded, and then in 1860, Ensign incorporated the Spring Valley Waterworks, later changed a company, which proceeded to buy up those farms and the hotel. Hold up a minute. Isn't eminent domain where the government takes your land to build a road or something like that? That's how we understand it today. But This 1858 adjustment to state law, I'll explain a little bit more, it empowered private water companies specifically to acquire land and water by purchase and condemnation. Very convenient for the Spring Valley Water Company. Yeah, a lot of times they would uh, enlist the aid of the courts when people got wise to what they were doing and might um, have the lands condemned, uh, you know, at 10 cents on a dollar. I mean, they weren't above any kind of method in order to get the land that they needed because they wanted to have watershed, not just area for the water, but they wanted to be able to protect the water. And so in order to do that, you're talking about on our peninsula, 20,000 acres. 23,000 actually. And San Mateo County's creeks can channel a lot of water in the rainy season. That sound I recorded during a recent rainy season of a creek on the Stanford campus. Do you just, like, go around recording sounds that might work for a Pay Curious episode someday? Yes. Yes, I do. Oh, okay. Olivia, are you old enough to remember a movie called Chinatown? Hmm, not ringing a bell, no. Made in 1974, one of the greatest noir films of all time. Sorry. (sighs) All right, I'll lay it out for you. Jack Nicholson plays a private eye on the trail of a rich guy who makes a dark deal to steal farmer's water for thirsty urbanites in Los Angeles. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Forget it, Jake. It's Crystal Springs. That's good. You've got the right idea. A lot of people are familiar with the story of a dirty water deal that launched L.A. as a megalopolis back in the day. But something similar happened up here. First, with the Spring Valley Water Company, the state's most powerful 
and privately owned monopoly of its day. So like PG&E today. You know, it was a monopoly. I mean, probably had even more um, latitude in what it could do than PG&E. Mitch Postal says the company was hated in San Francisco. Politicians there schemed for decades to take it out of private hands. But why would the city want to buy a water company? Well, in addition to the fetid scent of political corruption and dubious land dealings, the water quality and service in San Francisco were said to be pretty awful and expensive. And as time went on, those giant estates on the peninsula that were springing up required growing amounts of water beyond the reservoirs of the Crystal Springs watershed. So the Spring Valley Water Company expanded into the Alameda Creek watershed on the other side of the bay, making farmers there angry, too. It took San Francisco until 1930 to finally wrest control of the company from those fat cat land barons. And that's when the city started bringing water in from Yosemite. Oh, Hetch Hetchy. One and the same. The Hetch Hetchy Regional Water System, run by the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, which is another story. While I have you here, Rachel, listeners have sent in a few other questions about the Crystal Springs reservoirs over the years. Rupi Singh has noticed a few private homes sort of around the reservoir and wants to know how that's allowed. Olivia, this is what you could consider one of the greatest municipal perks in the Bay Area. There's a handful of homes that are residences for the families of watershed keepers and supervisors. The rent there is not market rate, but they'll tell you somebody's got to live on the land, watch it, and protect it from trespassers and so on. Mm. Speaking of trespassers, that gets us to our next question, which is from Raul Wirtz, who wants to know why all those beautiful hills all around the reservoir aren't open to the public for hiking and biking and such. Well, part of the watershed is open. There's the Crystal Springs Regional Trail. It's going to be 17 miles long when totally finished, 15 miles open now, running the length from San Bruno to Woodside. This trail serves more than 325,000 visitors annually, including babies in strollers and horses. But most of the watershed is not open to the public, right? This is right. There's a group called Open the SF Watershed. I've covered them before. They're trying to get more public access on that land, but they haven't been able to crack the resistance, which includes not just the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, but also a number of local environmental groups who would rather keep human interference on that land to a bare minimum. All right, Rachel Myro, thank you for the lowdown. Always a pleasure, Olivia. Thanks also to Jackie Nunez, Rupi Singh, and Raul Wirtz for their questions this week. If you're digging the Bay Curious podcast, please let your friends know about us. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find our show, so it would mean a lot if you could email us to a friend, mention us on social media, maybe write our name on the bathroom wall of your local dive bar. Really, we'll literally take anything. Thanks in advance. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's Trivia Game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. 
Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks.